This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show. The time when graduation day marked the end of your education is long past. To survive and thrive in today's world, you've got to be a lifelong learner. In this economy today, whatever technology that you're currently using will probably be slightly aged in 10 years, antique in 20 years. People need to upgrade their skill base much more often. Then, you read and hear about miracle cures from alternative medical products. But do they really work? We'll talk to an expert who says, buyer beware. These companies which make a fortune off of these products, instead of telling us they work, if they spent half the money they're spending showing us that they work, we'd all be better off. We'd be a more informed consumer. Those two stories and much more are heading your way on this week's edition of InfoTrack. InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. You may think that America's classrooms are only filled with kids and teenagers, but think again. Adults are hitting the books, too, in surprising numbers. With more on this, let's welcome John D. Miller, who is the director of a longitudinal study of American youth, and he's with the University of Michigan. John, your study found that 48% of an estimated 80 million Gen Xers are enrolled in some type of education. Tell us about your study. Well, 26 years ago, when these young people were in grades 7 and 10, we drew a national sample of young people across the country with support from the National Science Foundation, and we followed them through middle school and high school, originally to figure out how they developed career interest including, of course, interest in science and mathematics, which was of great interest to the National Science Foundation. But as social scientists, we were also interested in how they acquired skills to be successful as adults. And we've continued to follow them for 26 years. So now they are 37 to 40 years old. Two-thirds of them are parents themselves now. Although our original sample had schools in 26 states, young people move a lot. And so now we have participants in all 50 states because we follow the same people over that period of time. And they, some of them have moved, obviously. They are just in the middle of Generation X. Generation X is generally people from age 30 to age 50. And they're, of course, right in the dead center of that. So what's causing all these people to go back to school? Well, I think it's twofold. One is that the nature of work and training is simply changing. I mean, there has been an idea that most people grew up with that you go to school early in your life and then you go out and you spend the rest of your life working. And if the world was a little slower and if technology was changing a little less fast, that might work and it might have worked for our parents or grandparents. But in this economy today, whatever technology that you're currently using will probably be slightly aged in 10 years, antique in 20 years. And so people need to upgrade their skill base much more often than they did in the past. It's virtually impossible to imagine a high school or college graduate today who's going to work until 70 and not have to be re-educated. I mean, the very kinds of skills and things they need will be changing much more rapidly than any previous generation. And these young people now see that. That's why they're coming back to school. They may have thought they could start out in one occupation or the other and it would be perfectly good, but now they've discovered if they want to get to a managerial level, if they want to just stay up with their job in some cases. Many jobs from automobile mechanics to nurses to architects to engineers require as a part of your job that you get a certain number of hours of continuing education every year to be able to retain your license. 
And so I think that's just symptomatic of where we are, that if you want to continue to hold your job and you want to continue to do well in it, you have to re-educate yourself, not just in the first part of your life, but periodically throughout your life. I noticed that in your study you also based it geographically. In other words, people who live in rural areas have a different set of educational plans than those in cities. Is that right? That is right. And the reason I think partly is access. I think that there are in bigger cities far more opportunities to get continuing education of various kinds, oftentimes in a format that is convenient to you. So you can go on an evening or a weekend. There's a lot more schools of all kinds in a major metropolitan area than there are if you're sitting out in the middle of a predominantly rural area where you might have to drive, you know, 40 or 50 miles to get to the nearest community college. So the accessibility, I think, of education is a lot less in some of the rural areas. And I think also the mix of jobs that require upgrading might not be as education-intensive in some of the rural areas as they are in central cities and major metropolitan areas, including all the suburbs. There's more scientific and technical and engineering-based companies in those major centers than there would be necessarily in an agricultural or a rural or a mining area. John, your study found that now 20 years after finishing high school, 22% have at least one advanced degree. Is that unusually high? Well, it's higher than their parents, for sure. You know, I think that it's just the beginning of a trend. I think that we will see in the next decade and the decade after that, that increasingly the baccalaureate is just the admission ticket to graduate school. When I was in school a number of years ago, people thought of the baccalaureate, even if you don't work exactly in the field of your interest, you can always find a good job doing something. Now, because of the changing nature of the skill base, the baccalaureate becomes a period where you get broad general training, but it then qualifies you to go into professional school, graduate school, advanced training in various kinds of fields, and you can just see that happening all across the economy. One of the good examples that everyone is probably familiar with is nursing. 25 or 30 years ago, very few nurses had a college degree. They had mostly hospital-based education, and some of them had associate degrees from a community college. Now, a very high proportion of the nurses coming in to the field have a baccalaureate, and if you want to be a supervisor or in a hospital unit, very often you have to have a master's degree, and it's very common now for the hospital director of nursing to have a doctorate. And that's all happened in about a 30-year span, and it's a very typical kind of change, I think, that we see in other parts of the economy. And occupations may not be so visible every day. People may not see them as they would see healthcare people or nursing personnel. But I think it's just symbolic of the kind of change that's going on. John, I'm just wondering if you have any tips for our listeners on deciding if additional education is worth the investment for them. Well, I think that you always have to look at, one, how much you're paying for it. And two, you have to look very carefully that the graduates of that program are actually getting jobs. One of the things we've seen in the last 10, 15 years is there has been a growth industry of private, often for-profit institutions, companies coming along who are tapping into this very much of a felt need by young people to get more training. And because they can borrow money to do that very often from federal programs, they're acquiring debt at a high rate, but sometimes the occupations that they're training for, at least in those particular programs, 
may not work out. So I think you just have to be a hard-nosed consumer and say, you know, now of the people from your recent classes, how many have jobs? And sometimes you can check that. Many of these programs have to file with the Department of Education an annual report on how many of their graduates are getting various kinds of jobs. But I think that it is a buyer beware situation. You're probably better off trying to stay with institutions that have a long track record in this business because you could pay a lot of money and not get something that's that's marketable. But I would say that not getting any more education is a bad investment. <laughs> yeah, That's not what you want to do. But I think you ought to spend wisely. I don't think it's just go out and throw your money at any piece of paper to get a, a degree and that's going to automatically get you a job. You have to get the skills that go with it. So you have to make sure that the programs that a person enrolls in really are producing those skills and that those graduates are really getting jobs. John D. Miller, who is director of the Longitudinal Study of American Youth with the University of Michigan. John, we want to thank you so much for joining us on InfoTrack. Fascinating stuff. Well, thank you very much. I'm always pleased to talk to you. Next, if that pill you're popping is an alternative medicine, it may not help and might even harm you. That story, straight ahead. Don't go away. InfoTrack will be back right after this.